Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I got him, Ballara. I just had dinner with the Obama, what did you do? Hop up on Twitter talking about the stuff you don't do. Rock off a lawn, shorty, cause that is what you gon' do. Sabiato, new balance of style. Third down and six, right up the gut. That is Gibson, and he is gone. Third of the ball game for the rookie Antonio Gibson. Farms at the farms, all you hear is oi. One time for BDR, we just try to see you out. I used to be with Nas, beating Murray City up. Why should you talk to one respect about it? Picked up, and Mullins fumbles the football. Washington has it back. Chase Young, they're chasing him down the sideline. And Chase Young has a Washington touchdown. I've been ungrateful, but thankful. I've been ungrateful, but thankful. Maybe I got it all too fast, too soon. Been living life, no feelings, no rules. I've been trying to make it last, make it move. But I'ma hop in this point and knock a fool. I've been ungrateful, I'm thankful. What is happening, Washington fans? Welcome to the Burgundy Network Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network, and brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Josh Taylor, your host. Joining me is Brian Murphy. What's going on, Brian? What's up, man? Glad to be talking Washington football. Even though it's not football season, it's always football season. So this is awesome. The season never stops. You tell Ron that the season's over, I'm sure he would look at you with a dirty face. All right. I'd get cut. <laughs> <laughs> He'd make you run a couple laps. But like I said, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports actions. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. All you have to do is head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and get 50% welcome bonus on your first bet. And like we said, it's not football season. But there's still sports going on. I don't care if you right. watch NASCAR. You can bet on NASCAR. I don't because <laughs> I feel like it's one of the hardest. <laughs> bet. Like, how do you know a guy's not going to wreck? I have no idea. Yeah, how do you know there's not a nail on the track that he's going to flatten a tire? Yeah, someone could throw a hoagie out of the track and run it over. <laughs> you just don't know what's going on in the stands. But I'm making NBA props. Uh, if, if I had to make a bet, it's that the Knicks have a long way to go. The Wizards uh, need some help and a better coach. My Grizzlies' future is looking promising, but there's still a lot of action going on, guys. So get in with the sports bets. I love sports betting, sometimes a little too much. Brian, have you ever been a better yourself? Or uh, I know that I will get into trouble, so I, I try to stay away from bets, but I have been known to to throw down some cash on a game or you know, a bracket or whatever. So, yeah, definitely uh, need to check it out, though. Look, I'm telling you, when football season starts, Antonio Gibson touchdown props, or I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be throwing over, them out like it's over, oh, over, yeah. over every single day, guaranteed touchdown every single week with Gibson. And speaking of Gibson, last week we talked about the blueprint for the defense, and this week we're gonna talk about the offense. And this was obviously the side of the ball that we needed the biggest room for improvement for. So I think this is a great thing to do because we added a lot of key guys, lost some guys, and then drafted some hellacious guys who can come in here and just spark this offense. So we draft Sam Cosme. Great name, even more athletic player. Diami Brown, great hair. So excited. Even better wide receiver. I'm so stoked for Brown. 
John Bates and Dax Mill in the seventh. Then you add some free agents. We get Kyle Allen back. We sign Heineke again. Lamar Miller's still here. Don't know what role he has. Cam Sims has a tender on him. And then we sign Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Looks like our fearless, full-bearded leader for the season. Curtis Senior, obviously, teammates back with Terry McLaurin, ready to just torch some DBs. Adam Humphreys can be our little sneaky slot guy. Samus Reyes, who can be this basketball-turned-football player like Mo Alley Cox guy for us as All a right. tight end. And then Charles Leno, late addition to the offensive line, which might be a key point for us, the return of Eric Flowers. Yeah. The flower blooms again. He's back. He cut him dead. He's like a perennial. He's going to come right back for all of you flower Love nerds it. out there. <laughs> Green thumbs. Yes. Definitely not me. I just worked at Lowe's. Ricky Seals-Jones, tight end. Been in the league for a little bit. Don't be surprised if he makes as our tight end three. Right. Just throwing that out there. A little nugget. But you do lose some key guys. Morgan Moses. Obviously, Alex Smith is gone. Jeremy Sprinkle's not dropping balls anymore. And then oh, Robert Foster was here for like a game or two. Didn't really have much of an influence. Then you get Kelvin Harmon back from injury. Possibly might have a big role for us. Might be getting pushed out. We'll talk about that. Give our takes on it. And that leads me to our headlines. What are some key things to watch? Obviously, like I just mentioned, the wide receiver room's getting a little busy. But do you think we keep seven wide receivers? I mentioned earlier, I think think that we kept seven last year obviously some practice squad guys then we just started signing like a handful of guys throughout the season but do you think we keep six or seven wide receivers and how, how do you really see this playing out yeah i mean this seems to be like the the biggest question mark i think the offensive line is going to work itself out i think ryan fitzpatrick is your quarterback i think antonio gibson and jd mckissick have their roles as running backs but wide receivers I mean, I, th- I think we know the the top two, top three, maybe even top four if you throw in Brown and Humphreys. But the rest of those guys, I think that's a huge thing is who's going to be left after all of this. Um, we mentioned so many names in there. It's trying to keep track of everybody. Um, but, yeah, you know, whether it's six or seven, I think that we might see two to three, maybe even four guys from last year's team or teams in the past maybe gone. Um, it'll be certainly interesting to see. I'm not sure if you even mentioned Isaiah Wright in there. You know, where does he fit Steven in? Sims. Oh. Yeah, Steven Sims, uh, who didn't show up. Body heat. It's getting hot in here. It's too many people. Right? Steve, am I right in that, that Steven Sims didn't show up a couple weeks ago to the, the original, you know, Did not. voluntary, but, you know, he probably should be there. So there's a there's a lot of, of – of, of stuff going on there. I mean, if we started counting, we think Terry, right? Obviously. Terry and uh Terry, Curtis Samuel, Deami Brown, Adam Humphreys are four probably locks, right? Then, you know, you throw in uh I would say Cam Sims probably is the best of the the remaining guys. I think that he's I think pretty he made solid. enough plays last season. Yeah. And, and then also another guy is is it DeAndre Carter, a return guy? Does he make it as a return man and also as a receiver? We um, need a returner bad. Yeah. And so do they count that as a receiver? You know, whatever however that looks, <laughs> that's already six guys and you haven't even gotten to AGG. You haven't gotten to Kelvin Harmon. You haven't gotten to Dax Milne. And you haven't gotten to Steven Sims or Isaiah Wright. So 
lot, a lot of guys in there. I, that's probably more than you were looking for, but you know, that is a lot of guys. No, definitely. Yeah, no. There's a lot of fat to trim there. It'll be interesting to see how Ron and Scott Turner do that. That's something that's something interesting you brought up. Cause I honestly did not even think about that. Like which guy makes it strictly because he's a return guy. And don't try to tell me, well, we have Danny Johnson as a returner. No. I'm not Uh, sure Danny Johnson makes it either, honestly. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. And, like, does Steven Sims somehow miraculously make the final cut because he has returned kicks? Not that he did it the best. You know, scored once and dropped a couple in return. So, yeah. Like, out of those guys, out of Terry, Samuel, Cam Sims, Deami Brown, Humphreys, Harmon, and say AGG. Who's returning kicks? None of those guys. Maybe Humphreys uh did a little bit, but not a ton. Yeah. Like, are you are you feeling good about that? Like he's not like Cordell Patterson or something to where he's just gonna be like a specialty guy. So I don't know. Interesting note. I didn't really think about who makes it simply because they have return. Uh and like I said, Isaiah Wright, all all team conference, all American as a special teams player at Temple. I mentioned that I tweeted out not too long ago. Not a lot of people knew that. So kind of a little thing to keep tabs on. He was yeah. returning kicks in minicamp. Yeah, yeah. But I, I guess maybe as a rookie, you're you're probably not going to put that on him last year as an undrafted rookie. So it will be interesting no to see. No offseason. Yeah, if, if maybe if he does make it, if, if his role is expanded to a returner as well. So there are a lot of question marks. And, you know, I could see this going any which way um, outside of those top four. So it'll be interesting to see and certainly something – I think that'll kind of start to play itself out once, you know, we see who's taking reps, who's not, who's with second team, all that. And uh, so that, that, that's my biggest question mark uh, for, for the offense is how does wide receiver play out? Do you think it's safe to say just because they're kind of same size, same playing style that one of these three are gone with AGG Harmon and Cam Sims. Do you think that's safe enough to say? Mm. Or do you think all three make it? Because I think three, that's a lot. I I, I don't think yeah. three make it. Yeah, I, I think it'll be like you're saying, is it six, is it seven, is there a returner in there? So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. You know, I think I said it, you know, on a recent one. Kelvin Harmon has been posting videos of him working out, and it sounds like he's that out there. Well. Yeah, you know, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it, it doesn't work out to where you think you're good to go, but, you know, the the, the coaching staff sees that maybe you've lost a step. So out of those guys, the the one that, that would – I think would be gone first would be Kelvin Harmon, which seems crazy. Um, but – I agree with you. I think people are going to be mad at mad yeah. that just because people are like, well, AGD's done nothing in that one – Half of the season that he had. But he was drafted by Ron, and we keep saying that. that That's huge. Yeah. That's a Ron guy. Kelvin Harmon's not. Cam Sims is not, but they they re-signed him. It's obvious that Ron saw enough to to want to bring him back. So, yeah, Harmon seems to be the odd guy out of those three. That 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 is interesting. They all kind of play a similar role. I don't know that you need three of those guys. So I honestly think AGG has a better skill set than Harmon. I love Harmon. You know, he made some flashy plays with the one-handers, some physical catches and some traffic and stuff like that. Love it. I think AGG can do that, and I think he can run routes better. I think he can get slightly more separation, not saying he's going to, you know, Devontae Adams you to death or anything like that. But I think he's a slightly better wide receiver than Harmon, and I think people are going to be mad at us for saying that. But I don't think Harmon makes the team. I think Sims last year, Cam Sims saved his Washington career with some big plays that he made. 
he showed something I wasn't expecting, even as someone that's been watching him since the Under Armour All-American game. After the catch, he had some pretty nifty plays. Like, there was yeah. a couple of games where he made the catch. Like, all right, you know, big guy is just going to kind of go straight. Just head towards the end that, zone, truck right. a couple guys, and fall down. Now, he was, like, cutting up the middle of the field, making some extra little yak yards. I was like, okay, Cam, I don't know who this guy is, but I, I do appreciate it. So, um, I, I think he saved his Washington career last season. And, like I say, I'm a huge Cam Sims fan, rooting for the guy. I think him and AGG make it, uh, especially with Harmon's injury. We don't know what yeah. it looks like. That could be a, a very big key piece into it. So I agree with you. Maybe seven, maybe maybe Isaiah Wright somehow is that undrafted free agent, just makes yeah. that cut. If they if they lean on him more as a special teams guy, definitely something interesting to watch. And in, in, in the larger point, not just at the wide receiver – it's a good sign if we're, we're if if Washington is cutting guys that have contributed before or that fans know because it means that this team is actually stockpiling talent. I mean, how many years? Yeah, how many years has it been when you know Washington has gotten rid of guys that were just absolutely awful, um, or or had kept guys that were absolutely awful because that's the best option that they had. It's a good yeah. thing if they're they're having to cut a guy like Steven Sims who was a legit returner, you know, a couple of years ago, scored in a playoff game this past January. If they have to cut a guy like Kelvin Harmon, who was a stud wide receiver, who got, who did nothing wrong, but got injured, you know, that, that's just kind of where it's at. And hopefully Washington has put enough guys in place to where these tough decisions have to be made. You're not a good football team if the, if the decisions are all easy and they're all already made in May. Uh, you hope that these are tough decisions to make, and you hope that it's it, it's a uh, it's gut wrenching to get rid of one of these guys. But I think it's just another sign that Ron has got this team going in the right direction. Yeah, take me back to the Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garcon days, like please. Right. Like uh, I'm dying for those big player right. receivers. I think we're finally getting there. Um, and speaking of crowded rooms, yes, we did lose Morgan Moses, but man, that offensive line. There's some guys, like you said contributed last year that might not see some playing time this year in a couple spots, possibly three. So you add Charles Leno, who's been a very sure starter on the left tackle side. He was Chicago's Morgan Moses, to be honest with you. Yeah. Just a cap, cap casually kind of salary saver kind of player. Those are two key terms to write down. Cap casualty, salary cap savers. Casualty, <laughs> salary saver. Sal- salary savers. Salary. Salary. So Charles Little comes in. I think he starts on the left tackle spot. And then left guard. This is where it gets tricky. Wes Schweitzer is no slump. That dude's a beast. He's the one of the more athletic, bendable offensive linemen I've seen in the NFL. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram. But this dude does, like, yoga, rock climbing, bare yeah. hands and stuff. I'm like, dude, I can barely get out of bed in the morning without, like, moaning. Like, <laughs> how do you do this? And he's um, twice our size in doing that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, balancing on like his just his big toe upside down. I don't know how he does it. Um, go ahead. I was gonna say a couple episodes ago, I maybe it was after the draft. You know, once uh, or maybe it was, you know, once we realized that Cosme was coming in, we we did our projection of the starting offensive line, and man, could I be more wrong? I think we both had Morgan Moses as like the most sure thing. You know, yeah. Chase Roulier too, but man, uh, this. I kind of don't know the way it's going to go. I think Leno is going to end up at left tackle, you know, but where's Cornelius Lucas? All these question marks, but it seems like there's a lot of depth and uh, 
they, it doesn't seem like they've had this kind of depth in a long time, which is a good thing. Yeah, no, it's something we haven't had in a very long time. And like I said, with, with Schweitzer at the left guard spot, held it down, had a great season last year. I mean, it's not like Pro Bowl numbers or anything like that, but from a guy who we just randomly picked up knew nothing about, came in, held his own at left side. I think it could have been slightly better, of course. But then you bring back Eric Flowers, who was the biggest surprise, you know, signing for us, you know, two years back. Everyone's like, great. This is the guy from the Giants that I watched get embarrassed on these short clips, you know, tripping guys with New York. Like, this is our guy. And then turned out to be an instant fan favorite. Stepped up, played phenomenal as a left guard for us. So that's going to be interesting. Like, does did Wes do enough last season to take that spot over and be that starter? Or is Eric Flowers like, hey, I'm back. Thanks for holding it down, but I'm here to pick up right where I left off. That's going to be – that's a good battle to me. Who do you think edges that out? Do you have Flowers or Schweitzer? Well, and I also just want to throw in another name that we probably have kind of forgotten about, and Sadiq Charles. Where does he fit oh, in? Um, I mean, he's listed as a tackle if you look at their roster, but – yeah. I think that uh, a lot of people are saying that he's going to be guard, uh, a guard. So do they have three potential starting left guards there? Um, I don't know. But I, I, I got to think that Flowers probably wins it out just based on his experience and uh, how well he's played over the last couple of years. And um, I know it's a totally different uh, team than when he was here last time, but I think that uh, that goes a long way. So I think Flowers will initially get the start, but it's tough bumping a guy like Schweitzer who did everything right last year. Um, but that makes you all the bit better. You know, he's almost like a six man in, in basketball. You know, Schweitzer can come in and can and jump in he there. He's some know. right guard too. Yeah, I was going to say, can jump in there wherever he's needed as an additional lineman on a goal line situation. So um, not a not a bad thing to have a that – a starting caliber guy as your your first guy off the bench for sure. So um, I, I would go Flowers, but man, it, there are a lot of question marks on the offensive line. Maybe not question marks because I think all these guys are pretty solid, but just where is everybody going to fit in? Yeah, I want to see where everyone just kind of settles in. And like you mentioned with Sadiq Charles, everyone had this guy as a left tackle, and he lined up as a left tackle in minicamp. But so mm-hmm. many guys, including John Conn, were like hold on. Like that was mostly just because Charles Leno had a baby. Like right. he wasn't here. If yeah. Leno was here, he would have been a left tackle. He, he, John Kahn said specifically the team sees Charles as a left guard guy. And I have to give a shout out to my guy, Adam Aniba, who before we even drafted Charles, like as soon as we did, he's like, he's going to be more of a left guard, not a left tackle. And we were all kind of like, oh, okay, like we'll see. And it's going that way for sure. Left guard Adam. first and deep Charles. Yeah. So interesting, like maybe Charles is just kind of behind the scenes this year, growing, still getting healthy, learning from Flowers, Schweitzer, and then say Flowers leaves again next season, you have your starter with Sadiq Charles next season. Or right. if someone gets hurt, say over will jump to the right side. <laughs> I hate to say it, but Sheriff gets his annual injury, right. goes out three or four weeks, we move Schweitzer over. Say, you know, it's it's down to Flowers and Sadiq Charles, and maybe Charles edges out Flowers. I don't see it, but like I said, maybe he's setting himself up to be the long-term left guard starting next season. I don't know what the trade market is for a guard, but Brandon Sheriff is on this franchise tag deal, right? I think Number two. I, I don't think that there's any way that he signs a long-term deal with Washington. Could Washington at some point, you know, before the season or over the summer be like, 
you're not in our long-term plans. Maybe we uh, trade you for whatever we can get for a, a right guard. I mean, I don't know how it works with the franchise tag, but it seems like you're kind of, you have all these guards that have already have started games for you could potentially play for you down the line, but you're forcing in a guy just because you're, he's on the franchise tag. I, it's just something to throw out there that maybe it, it handles itself and maybe you know, they move on from Brandon Sheriff and Wes Schweitzer moves over to right guard or um, Eric, you know, whoever it is bounces over to that right guard position and fills in uh, for way cheaper and does a, a pretty serviceable job. I don't know if it's realistic, but it just seems like, you know, Ron has been making moves for guys, you know, that are part of the long-term future. Morgan Moses was not part of the long-term plan. Does he start to do that too, or is he he strapped by the franchise tag? I, I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking out loud there. Yeah, and, it's, and I, what I think is going to happen with Sheriff, I think this is his last season. I don't think we get a long-term deal, Ron. And I think he goes elsewhere, and we'll get like a third-round comp pick out of it. That's true. You know? Yeah, maybe that's what they're, they're, the long play is for him. Yeah, and like to me, it, that's fine. Like I, I right. wasn't expecting, yes, I know he's all pro, Brandon Sheriff, you know, pro bowler. But that second tag, like it just never feels right. We talked about with Kirk Cousins, like how that all went down with the double tag. Um, I just I don't see Sheriff being here long term. I feel like if he wanted to, we had the money. We absolutely had the money. We could have gotten something done. Um, so I, I just I don't know if it's a sheriff thing or if it's a we don't want him to be here, but we're gonna get one more year out of him because he is good kind of thing. But I, but I think he's going next season, and I think we get a third out of it. Shoot, maybe we have uh, two thirds again next season. Like who knows. Um, Maybe and then that right tackle third, spot. third round yeah. picks would not be a bad thing. Keep it on that. Look, keep it, keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> Trade all of our first for thirds. Um, and then the right tackle spot, I have Cosme and Lucas as the potential guys. I think Cosme starts. I think he is that good. I think he's that athletic. I want to see him at that right tackle spot and holding it down. Did play a well amount of snaps, probably over a thousand snaps at the right tackle spot. Texas played both. He can do both. Lucas, to me, he's, you know, Twitter fingers turned to, to training camp fingers. I don't know mm-hmm. if if Cornelius Lucas gets that spot or if he's a backup. Um, like if Cosme isn't ready to go, if the team's like, all right, Cosme needs some more time, Cornelius Lucas, you're the start at right tackle. Is that is that really how you have those two going too? If Cosme's not ready, okay, Lucas, but don't be yeah. surprised if Cosme wins it. Yeah, second round pick, you know, you got to expect him to be a – big contributor if not a starter i mean that's just the way the nfl goes a second first second even third round pick is expected to contribute um and so yeah i think cosme is going to be given every chance to to win that job and i think you're i think you're right i think cornelius lucas was really good last year in the fact that he stepped in and was uh you know pretty solid for them on the left side but, you know, a second round pick over a, a journeyman, you know, had an OK year last year. The second round pick's going to win. But yeah. it's not a bad thing to have Cornelius Lucas to fall back on. And so I think they're in a good spot there. Hopefully, you know, your stud second round pick, you know, holds down that spot and one day maybe moves over to left tackle. But, yeah, I think Cosme wins that. And um, it would take, a, you know, just a big maybe just he's in over his head and just needs some time for, for Lucas to step in there. But I, I got to think Cosme wins that one. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I would love to see what he has at that right tackle spot. And honestly, if our starting line is Charles Leno, Eric Flowers, Chase Roulier is our center. 
Brandon Sheriff, and then Cosme on the outside. I think that's a great line. Mm-hmm. I think that has the potential to be one of the best lines we've had in a long time, honestly, especially if Charles Leno is that sure starting left tackle. And if Cosby just comes in and steps up and be that athletic right tackle that we need. And then Flowers and, picks up where he left off. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm all for that offensive line. I think that they've got some serviceable guys that um, can bounce around a little bit if they need to be in a pinch, but also can can play pretty, uh, really well um at their position so yeah um, Yeah. any any form of those those guard those left guards however that shakes out I'm gonna be fine with so uh yeah I'm really excited about the offensive line I think it's gonna be uh a a key part of Washington doing something special this year oh yeah you want Fitzpatrick to have the time to throw the ball and you want these running backs to have the time yeah and the lanes to run and like I said Lucas did great starting at the left tackle spot last year good bit too so if someone goes down, because it happens every single season, like I said, yeah. the sheriff as a guard, but you don't know what could happen. It's good to have those backups. Like we mentioned that one game. I forgot what year it was. I was at uh, – it was Tampa Bay came to Washington, and it was like four or five linemen got hurt that game. Yeah. And it was, it was RG3 game. I was like, what is going on? And, like, it was just dudes that we signed that week coming in, and, like, every single play they were in the back. Though. I was like, I never want to see this again. So definitely building towards yeah. something special. Well, and, and we, we all know and hope that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be this guy that can finally stretch the field for the first time and who knows how long for the quarterback position. But to be able to throw it deep, you need some time. And so it sounds like they they're, they really kind of invested in this offensive line and um, picked up some guys that they, they think can give Fitzpatrick that time to actually air it out and use some of these new weapons that uh, Washington has. Yeah, we talk about the speed with the wide receiver core. It's like that's the one key thing that – Everyone keeps talking about like, man, Brown's fast, Samuel's fast, Terry can run. Like they, all these guys mm-hmm. can spread that field out. And I remember posting so many charts from Next Gen Stats last season after the game, passing charts with Alex Smith, um, Taylor Heineke's game, and Kyle Allen. And you know, it did get better with Taylor Heineke, but every single week it's like, all right, there was only like three passes over 20 yards the whole game for Alex Smith. Like it was just the same things. We knew what was coming. Third and 10, it was a check down to J.D. McKissick for his, like, 15th catch of the game. Like, it was just the same thing over and over. So, I think this season, like you said, with Fitzpatrick airing it out. And speaking of quarterbacks, I think it's unanimous. Fitzpatrick starts. Taylor Heineke, for me, is quarterback two. And then Kyle Allen is quarterback three. Do you agree with that, or do you have those two flipped? No, I I absolutely agree. And I think, uh, you know, we talked about coming back from injuries. You you know, you you feel pretty good. You know, you finally are able to move around. You're clear to move around. And then you actually face guys and are having to do things. And so I think Kyle Allen's just going to be a step behind because of his injury. And it stinks because I think that he played decent, uh, you know, in, in the time that he had last year. He made some plays. He kept them in games. Um, so another guy that just kind of, just lost out because he got injured um but yeah i think taylor heineke just showed too much um he knows the system i mean so does kyle allen but you know just what he did in the the playoff game i think he earned a lot of respect there and um so yeah i think taylor heineke is definitely quarterback number two and kyle allen's a a three the question is do you think that they keep all three do you think all three are, are on the roster come opening day oh yeah i think so um i didn't and then i think i think montez is Still going to stay that practice squad guy. Um, but you know what's funny to me that I just thought about? Preseason is going to be like must-watch football for a lot of Washington fans because it's going to be mostly Taylor, Taylor Heineke and like some Kyle Allen 
playing yeah. like later in the games. Like, I mean, because we have three preseason games, supposedly like it's subject to change, but three preseason games, you're going to see a lot of Taylor Heineke and a lot of Kyle Allen. Like, when's the last time we've wanted to see a backup quarterback for Washington actually play? Yeah. So I think that's going to be exciting. I just thought about that. Like, Taylor Heineke preseason, maybe he does enough to see some playing time in the season. Who knows? Um, but running back core, this is interesting to me because obviously we have Gibson and JD McKissick. And then we have that third guy who's going to slightly get ahead. I think Jared Patterson makes the team. I see a lot of film and a lot of plays in this little mini camp of Jared Patterson right. and not a lot of uh, Lamar Miller, to be honest with you. Uh, I like Lamar Miller. Maybe we keep him as a practice squad guy, but Peyton Barber's got to go. Like he's gone, right? Yeah. Like, this is finally the time Barber rolls his way out of the door. Yeah, I I think that he was really he was great for his role last year, but hopefully this offense is a little bit better than that, and there's there's not really a need for a short yardage guy. I mean, hopefully between Gibson, McKissick, and and Patterson, that those three guys can get that yard one point two yards that that Barber was good for. Um, but yeah, that 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 makes uh, a lot of sense, and I'm with you. I think Patterson uh, jumps Lamar Miller. I think. The fact that he's their only undrafted free agent, I mean, that obviously think you know shows that they think highly of him, and I think that he's going to be a, a nice little playmaker. And the good thing is, is that with Gibson and McKissick, two guys that were really fundamental for this team last year, that Patterson doesn't have to come in and be anything. Just any contribution will be huge for him. So I absolutely think that he'll be running back three and. You know, maybe as the season goes on, he starts to carve out a role for himself. And then, like you said, Lamar Miller, uh, whether he's just a camp body or a, a veteran practice. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, there, there's a role for that, too. So, um, yeah, I think the running back room is going to kind of sort itself out pretty quick. Yeah, and it's a different running back room. It's not like you have Adrian Peterson who's just going to run that rock and you know what you're yeah. getting. It's guys who can catch. It's a Gibson who used to play wide receiver. It's a J.D. McKissick who was second in the league in running backs uh, catching. And then it's a Jared Patterson who could be that run, you know, fast guy, make some explosive plays. But it's not your typical, we're just going to, you know, Bill yeah. Callahan kind of run game running backs. It's a yeah. different kind of running back room than well, what we're used to. And don't forget, not, not necessarily a, another running back, but Curtis Samuel is going to line up back there a lot. Well, you got to think yeah. that he's going to be uh, part of that as well. So it's certainly it's going to be fun, and Scott Turner is going to have a couple of choices back there, which has got to be uh, a good feeling for him. Yeah, not just in the rounds, but there's a lot of times yeah. in Carolina where he just yeah. lined up as a running back and just ran yep. little end, end runs. Uh, so don't be surprised if you see a lot of that too. And tight ends. This is where I might have a slight hot take. Y'all can roast me for it. I don't care. But tight ends, obviously Logan Thomas was huge for us last season. Turned out to be a very big piece of this offense. Made some phenomenal catches, big plays. Obviously tight end one. For me, tight end two, I think it's got to be Bates. I think they've been talking highly on him so far, saying, look, he's not just a, a – a run blocking kind of guy. He can catch the ball. And Chris Cooley loved this pick. He said he was his favorite pick of the entire draft. And that's coming that's from high a, praise. Yeah. 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 A, a very well known tight end um, right. in the Washington community, obviously. So, like, right off the bat, like, I, I was 
and, it, and people are going to look at the numbers, look at the stats, like what did he do at Boise State kind of thing. But you just have to look at the upside, what he could do in this offense. Yes, he's going to be a great run blocker. He's going to set up some great alleys for Gibson and J.D. McKissick and our running backs. But I think he can make some plays with his hands. So, like, don't be surprised. It's those third and shorts or it's those red zone plays where, like, he's in a block, comes off of it, short little physical high pass, you know, up in the air, comes down with it, gets the first down or the touchdown. Like, those are also some game-changing plays. So I think Bates is a potential to be a very solid tight end two. And then tight end three for me. This is where it gets a little, you know, you have the Reyes fans. You have Swoops, Hemingway, uh, and then you sign Ricky Seals-Jones. If you had to pick a tight end three out of these guys, who are you picking? I would love for Samus Reyes to all of a sudden become just this the next Jimmy Graham or Tony Gonzalez. And, you know, why was he even spending time playing basketball when he was this yeah. much of a freak football player? But I think that he's going to be super raw, and I think that – He's going to either be a um, practice squad guy or a rotational special teams guy at the start. And I really think Ricky Seals-Jones was kind of a sneaky, really good uh, pickup. So I I think Ricky Seals-Jones is actually going to be tight end number three. How often do you have three tight ends out there? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Hopefully it doesn't really matter a whole lot. But (laughs) I I really think that uh, Seals Jones is just going to pass Samus Reyes just because of the inexperience and how raw that Reyes is right now. That's exactly how I feel. I think Samus Reyes is just way too raw. It's way too early in the game. Like you just hope he makes a team. But possibly, you know, practice squad, you know, project player. But I agree with you. I think Seals Jones, you know, I'm not screaming this guy's going to have 800 yards and five touchdowns right. this season. But still a solid tight end three if something goes wrong. Thomas gets hurt or Bates doesn't pan out or something like that. Seals Jones has been in the league for like, what, three, four years now. Um, so he knows he knows what to expect. He knows what the league is like. Um, I like his size, bigger dude. Um I, I think it was a sneaky little pick too. Like I said, it's not going to jump off the tape as I'm like, oh my gosh, we got Ricky Seals Jones, but it's a good tight end three. Once again, we had Jeremy Sprinkle and Hemingway last year. Yeah. And now we possibly have Bates and Ricky Seals Jones. I say that's an upgrade. Glad you agree with me on that. Yeah. Um, oh, one, one thing about Bates, it sounds like, like you're saying that like he was asked to block a lot in college and yeah. not because he was not a good pass catcher, but because he was really good at blocking. So I think he is going to catch people off guard like, oh, that's their second tight end. They're going to run it. Like you said, um, I think he's going to contribute blocking wise, but it sounds like he's got pretty good hands and is going to make um, some clutch catches that Jeremy Sprinkle could never, ever, yeah. ever, ever, ever do. He, he, so. he would drop them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Bates, you know, it, it sounds like, oh, where did this come from? This guy really just blocked in college. But I think that's because he was just really good at blocking. I think they just didn't use him as much as a receiver. And um, he's going to be uh, a nice little pickup and a nice little addition for this offense that is totally revamped from last year. I agree. And that leads to our contributors and possible letdowns on the offense. And you kind of you kind of stole the limelight from mine. I have Bates as the contributor because with our offense, I know we want to do a lot of two tight end sets. I know we want to go vertical more with tight ends, you know, put them more in the passing game like we did with Logan Thomas. I think Bates could be a, a, a big guy for us. 
obviously, I know Donnie Brown's going to be good. I know Curtis Samuel's going to do his thing. But if I'm looking at some sneaky contributors, it's going to be Bates. He's going to make some big plays, like I said, third downs, maybe some longer passes that we're not expecting, some red zone touchdowns. I think he can mix it up for us. And then be involved in that running game, whether it's a, a Gibson touchdown or something like that, or protecting Fitzpatrick as he rolls out or something like that. I think he could be a great contributor for us. Who's your guy? So I'm going to go a little off the, the board since, you know, Bates is kind of almost the obvious answer there, kind of coming out of nowhere. I think, like you said, we expect a lot of those other guys to contribute. Um, a guy that we kind of mentioned that I kind of threw out there that we kind of forgotten about, I think Sadiq Charles kind of pushes for some sort of role on this offensive line. Maybe not at the beginning. And, you know, he's working back from an injury and he's still trying to figure out exactly which position he's going to play. But I wouldn't be yeah. surprised to see him take over for somebody, you know, down the line, whether it is left guard or, you know, um, you know, Leno has to move over to right tackle for whatever reason. Can Sadiq Charles step in at left tackle? You know, so I, I think that they really like Sadiq Charles, and I think he's a name that we kind of forgot about. It's not going to be sexy, and it's probably not going to be real noticeable on any given play, but. I think Sadiq Charles uh, is going to play a, a huge role in this team. And if nothing else, for the future of this team and for locking down one of those positions across the line. Um, so I'm going to go with Sadiq Charles. Nothing too sexy, not a, something that's going to pop out at you. But um, I think that he's going to have uh, something to say about this offensive line. Look, people always say offensive line aren't sexy. We need to start a trend, like make offensive line yeah. sexy again. Like, it is sexy. Is- yeah, this is the offensive line stand podcast. All right, so we like so, so all when that you think weight about on. it. When you think about it, offensive line, your job is to make another grown man do something he doesn't want to do. Push him out of the way. Stop him from running bully. forward. Yeah, you have. To, I mean, it's it's unreal. I I I don't envy, but I envy the the strength that those guys have. But I don't envy the fact that they're getting run after by Aaron Donald and whoever. Anyway, so yes. Are you? You bet you I envy Wes Whites are climbing like Mount Everest. That's true. Barefoot, bare hands, like it's nothing. I, I, I absolutely envy that because I can do like three pull-ups. So, yes, I, I do envy him considering he's a large human being. Um, They're like positive bullies. Offensive yeah. linemen are the yeah. positive bullies of the NFL. Like, I'm going to push you around. I'm going to beat you up. But it's to protect my quarterback. Right. And simply to be good for, for good my cause. team. Yeah, and I'm going to compliment you while you're getting pancaked. Um, and I agree with you in the letdown for me, I think Kelvin Harmon coming back from injury, but I have a tie. I I couldn't pick one. I think Harmon coming back from injury. And then if AGG just has a slow second sophomore season, you want to see that, that sophomore lift up. You want to see that production take off, especially like that's what wide receivers are supposed to do. If he just doesn't, you know, take off, get more involved. I mean, fans were like, just like, where's this guy at? Like, we need more AGG. We need to see more of him. Once again, I'm a fan of both of these guys, rooting for both. But if there was one that could possibly let me down, just because I have high hopes for both these guys. I want to see Harmon making these one-hand catches and all these physical, like, in-traffic catches. And I want to see the AGG that I've been standing for since we drafted him because I've seen what he did at Liberty, running routes, making one-handed catches also, just making DBs look silly. So AGG. Pull him for you this season. Don't let me down. I don't think you will, but I had to pick one. So it was, it was those two guys. Yeah, I think you could really go any of those wide receivers like Steven Sims, Kelvin Harmon, AGG, 
just guys that you thought were showing potential and and would maybe be the future of this team. And, you know, now we're not even sure they're going to make the team. So that's a good pick by you. I'm going to say not that I don't think that he's going to contribute, but I don't think he's going to contribute as much. And that's J.D. McKissick. I I think that um, I think you're going against your guy. No, I know. Joshua Dobby. I got to shut this off. I know. Don't, Don't. No, but I think I think that he really benefited from having Alex Smith out there mm. checking it down to him a bunch of times and, and all Good that. Man. And hopefully, honestly, it would stink for him because he's he's not used as much, but I think it's a good thing if he is, his numbers slip way off because it means that this offense is actually dynamic and is actually getting the ball to receivers and is actually, you know, scoring touchdowns and not having to check it down as much. So uh, I think it's going to be J.D. McKissick, and I say that, you know, put a positive spin on it because I think this offense is going to be better. I think Fitzpatrick's going to take shots. It's going to be frustrating at times, but it's going to result in some big plays to where, you know, what is McKissick's role? Does he truly just become a third down back, you know, an, uh, an extra receiver here and there and a guy to give Gibson a blow? Uh, you know, I just don't think he's going to be as much of a focal point as he was last year, a PPR God, you know, getting 10 catches a game for, 35 yards or whatever it felt like. So um, I'm going to say J.D. McKissick, but I think that it's a good thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, and that's that's a good point. Like, it's not that, you know, we just think he's going to fall off. We didn't. You don't think about that. You think, okay, with a quarterback that's going to throw it far, Dami Brown's going to take off. Terry McLaurin's going to have more deep passes again. Curtis Samuel's going to go deep. But what does that take away from some other guys? J.D. McKissick could be one of those guys. I honestly did not think about that, but now I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight because of it. So thank you, Brian. (laughs) But as we always do at the end of the episodes, our Washington Rewind, Brian. The the future is bright. Was that good? That was perfect. (laughs) I'm just going to like record that and save it and just plug it into every episode because I'm sure you get sick of doing it. (laughs) But like I said, obviously we're building towards something great. Yes, changes are coming, but there's one thing that you can't take away, and that is the history of Washington. Last week we talked about that Monday night miracle and how a star with Santana Moss was born, and this was two years later, December 30th, 2007, the 21-point playoff berth win. The 2007 Washington Redskins at the time were the most feel-good season in Washington history. You might remember this one. The team looked doomed for failure after the death of Sean Taylor and the season-ending injury to quarterback Jason Campbell. Campbell's replacement was Todd Collins. Todd That's going to you're going to completely forget about this guy and just be like, "Oh my gosh, Todd Collins." You know why? Because he had not started a game in over 10 years before that game. It's insane. 10 year start drought and you Jeez. come in. After starting the year at 4 and 7, Washington was motivated by the death of Sean Taylor. It became the personification of team unity by winning their last four games. Kind of reminds me of like Tim Tebow and the Broncos, how like the season was done. He came in, yeah. boom, came together as a team. And the last of these games was a 21-point victory over the Dallas Cowboys once again. I think every week we should just pick a good moment involving us beating Dallas. This is a good trend. I'm down for that. It was a victory over the Dallas Cowboys, and it sealed the Redskins to a 2007 playoff berth. And Washington held Cowboys rusher Marion Barber. Guess how many yards he had in that game? 35. 
Oh, negative one rushing oh yards. Oh my gosh, that's negative awesome. one. <laughs> the entire team as a whole, as the, the Cowboys rushed to just one yard. That Dang. is insane. That's Love like it. Alabama versus Leonard Fournette numbers. <laughs> that yeah, is so that's bad. awesome. And the 21-point margin of victory was symbolic of the team's motivation. Sean Taylor, all-time yeah. fan favorite, who wore number 21. So it's always good beating Dallas, uh, but I just I remember that season so much. 2007 was honestly one of the most memorable seasons um, as a Washington fan, not only just because of how much I love Sean Taylor, but like you said, it was one of those feel-good seasons for Washington where it's like, all right, you know, we're four and seven. Jason Campbell went down. There's nothing left in this team. Boom, we make the playoffs. It didn't go too well after that. Do you remember who we played 2007 playoffs? I mean, it's you just guess. It's always Seattle. I, I'm pretty sure it was Seattle. I don't think that was Tampa Bay. No, Tampa Bay was the uh, 05 oh, game. They won yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we then lost to Seattle. 2007, they lost to Seattle. And 2012, they lost to Seattle. So I'm real sick of losing to Seattle. And then we lost to Tampa Bay. And then we lost to Tampa Bay. Yeah, Tampa Bay, (laughs) Seattle. I mean, can we play somebody up? Maybe they'll get another playoff win if they play somebody besides Seattle. Let us play Dallas in the playoffs. Like, come on. (laughs) We have a trend of beating them now. But like I said, that was one of my all-time favorite moments in Washington. And as always, this episode in the Washington Rewind segment was brought to you by betonline.ag. Like I said, guys, head over to betonline.ag. Make those bets. Take advantage of the sports season, whether you're a hockey fan, baseball's kicking, and then the NBA playoffs is alive and well. Who do you have winning the entire NBA playoffs? I, I don't know. Who do you have? I would say. The Bucks finally not choking the playoffs? How can you pick against the Nets with all those three studs? I'll say the Nets. They're like the ones that have to win it. Yeah, I'll like watch, they'll choke. But I'll, I'll uh, always say this: I don't, I don't think the Bucks are as good as they think they are. But no. it'll be interesting. But guys, head over and take advantage of that fifty percent bonus deposit. So if you put a hundred dollars down, you get fifty bucks. That's great money to play with. Come on now, like we said, Brian, bet on Washington winning the NFC East, and you can pay your next phone bill. Right? Love it. Let's Love it. it. Washington always give it back to its fan base, guys. It has been a pleasure breaking it down. More stuff coming up. We will see y'all next week. I've been ungrateful, but thankful. Maybe I got it all too fast. Too soon. Been living life, no feelings, no rules. And I've been trying to make it last, make it move. But I'ma hop in this point and knock a fool. Excuse me, I've been ungrateful, I'm thankful. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.